All right, it's so good to be at the house and be in the house at Norcross. I want to uh, also acknowledge our North Cobb family. My family over there, North Cobb, make some noise over there. I also want to acknowledge the people who are joining us online. Thank you for joining us today. Um, special moment, special opportunity to be here uh, as we continue in this series. I also want to just uh, shout out uh, our pastors, senior pastors, pastors Johnson and Summer, while they are out on sabbatical, getting their rest. Uh, we really appreciate them, so continue to pray for them as they get, the, get their much needed rest as they are doing what God has called them to do. So we're in this series. We're uh, continuing this series um, on prayer. And I want to start us out today just by taking a moment to pray. Amen. Father, I just thank you. I give you praise for your anointing, your word. Lord, I pray that you would just anoint the atmosphere that we hear what you have us to hear so that we can do what you'd have us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said amen. amen. So uh, I'm thinking about this message and I'm thinking about one of the things that Paul said, you know, uh, in 1 Corinthians 16, he said, a great and effective door has been opened to me, but there's many adversaries. I want you to know that any ounce that we take or any ounce we try to push in the kingdom of God is going to come with some level of adversity. Whatever you do in life that is for the kingdom of God will be met with adversity. Now, some of you, how many of you right now are going through adversity university? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Pain College, Tribulation Tech. Come on, somebody. Adversity is one of the things that we find in life as we press into the kingdom. And this is why, this is why Jesus gives this Sermon on the Mount. He gives it because at the end of it, he says, listen, you're going to face storms. The winds are going to come. The floods are going to come in. But you have to find yourself founded on the rock. And if you're not founded on the rock, meaning there's going to be some adversity, and if you're not founded on the rock, then you're going to be moved away from what God has called you to do and who God has called you to be. Right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, we find ourselves with probably the most important aspect of our walk with God, the Lord's Prayer. We find ourselves where Jesus is saying, hey, you know what? If you're going to face adversity, you're going to need to know how to pray. I got some amens right here. I don't have any in that section. Somebody in there need to know how to pray. <laughs> I know y'all know how to pray, North God. <laughs> but we face adversity, and we need to know how to pray, and that's why the Lord gives this prayer. He gives this prayer, and he, he shows us what it takes to pray. He starts out in Matthew 6 and 6. And look at what Jesus says. He says, but you, when you pray, stop right there. We got to stop right there. Because here's what we have to understand. This word when is crucial. What Jesus is saying is that prayer is an essential element 
of who you are. And we're not talking about if you pray. We're talking about when you pray. That means it is something that we have to do because I believe the devil's primary assignment against us as believers is to distract us from praying. How many of you have been, been praying right? You, you say, you get an unction, you get a feeling in your spirit, I need to pray. And then you begin to pray and you get a text message. That's the devil. <laughs> or you start, you start praying and you start thinking about something else you need to do. That's the devil trying to distract you from your assignment. What I, saw, what I told North, uh, North Cobb when I started out this series, I said, there's power in prayer, but there's perils in prayerlessness. You understand what I'm saying? Because our, our lifeline, our connection to the Father and what he wants to do in the earth is based upon our connection when we pray. So Jesus says in Matthew 6, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. What Jesus is saying, when you pray, he's saying that, that consistent prayer is mandatory. That consistent prayer is a sign for us that we have a real relationship with God. But not only that, that it's necessary that we have private prayer, that we pray in private. He says, you pray in private, God will reward you openly. That private prayer produces extreme results, produces God's ability in your life. So we have to have consistent prayer. We have to have private prayer. But we also, when we talk about prayer, we have to have something that is true, something that we're standing on, something that is important, something that will not move, and that is the Word of God. You know, I think that some of us, we've been in this journey so long, and we get to a place, and then we, we, we drift from the things that initially got us to where we are today. And prayer is the way. You know, there's a process in prayer that we go through. We go through desire, and then we get to discipline, and then we get to delight. The first thing that we have to have is a desire to pray. How many of you have ever prayed, God, give me a greater hunger to pray? I know I have. How do you think God is going to give you a greater hunger to pray? Somebody say problems. <laughs> problems. We, we pray we want a greater desire to pray. God gives us a problem so that we can understand that we cannot do this on our own that, so that we can have a dependency on who God is and what he can do in our lives. How many of y'all got kids? Y'all got cheering? <laughs> If you're married, if you got kids, let me tell you something. You definitely know how to pray. Or you should know how to pray. I ain't talking about my wife. She talking about me. She got to know how to pray. So we have to have a consistent private prayer life that is based on the word of God. And I believe today as we look at what Jesus was talking about, when we see that we have to have a word foundation, if we don't have a word foundation, 
in prayer, what's hap what happens is we will not see the will of God fulfilled in our life the way that God desires for his will to be fulfilled. Amen? So Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 12, it says, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Then we find ourselves where we are today, Matthew 6 and 13. Look at this. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is important today, y'all. Because if we're going to have victory, we have to understand some crucial elements concerning what we are up against. I want you to leave that up. Look at that right there. Look at this. Temptation. We have to understand that there's two things. There's something and someone that is in opposition to the will of God for your life. Temptation. That is the enemy on the inside. How many of y'all face temptation this morning <laughs> when you were driving up 85? Temptation, the enemy on the inside. Here's what the scripture says about temptation in James 1.14. It says, temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. So Jesus has given a blueprint for what we're up against. So there's something we're up against. We have desires inside of us that we have to keep and we have to die to every day. But then there is someone, and that is the devil. That's the enemy on the outside. I want you to look at what the scriptures, this is what Peter was talking about in 1 Peter 5. He says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. Now, he's not a great enemy because he's great. He's just the primary enemy. So it says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in the faith. Now, this is important because, see, if you don't understand that you're actually up against real enemies, you will find yourself fighting a force that you don't really understand how you need to defeat it or how you can defeat it. And what Jesus is talking about in this moment, he says, lead us not into temptation. You need to understand what's in you and deliver us from the evil one. You need to understand what's on the outside of you. Now, some, of, some interpretations read, deliver us from evil. But most interpretations, when you look at that word evil one, it's the adversary. And this is what Peter is talking about. He understood that he had an adversary. Jesus understood that there was an adversary. The issue at times is that we don't understand that we actually have spiritual forces that oppose us. And because of that, we cannot walk in consistent victory in our lives because we don't actually know who we are fighting. We don't know who we are up against at times. But the Bible has written it out. The problem is that we don't often preach and talk about what we are up against. But we're not going to do that today. We're not doing that today in this church. 
We're going to serve notice to what we're up against. We're going to speak truth and speak life to what we're up against and understand who we are in Christ so that we can walk in consistent victory over the devil. Somebody say amen at North Cobb and at North Cross. <laughs> so, how to consistently defeat the devil? The first thing we have to do, we have to understand that this is a spiritual war. This is a spiritual war. You know, I have a friend has a book called Completely Free. He said this in his book. He says, our enemy is spiritual, therefore our warfare is spiritual. Even though they are invisible, they are also unavoidable and real. Listen, there's a visible world and there is an invisible spiritual world that we're up against. Now, I came to a realization that there were real forces of evil. Uh, a little bit before I gave my life to Christ, you know, I was caught up in all kinds of things, all kinds of mess, entangled in all types of things in the world. How many of you ever been there? A few of you. The rest of y'all are still entangled. Y'all lying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't get offended. But I realized that I was up against spiritual forces. I began to sense it, and I began to start trying to go towards God. Didn't know what I was actually looking for, but in my search, I think spiritual forces realized what was happening. They've seen this process over and over again where God, the Father, starts drawing people. And so one night I'm driving home, and I begin to hear, I begin to hear voices. I didn't know it was demonic voices at the time. I begin to hear it in my car as I'm driving home. So I'm looking around and don't see anything, but I hear gibberish. And, it's, and I actually hear rhythmic gibberish. It, true story. It, sound, it sounded like rap, but I didn't know what it was saying. And it wasn't the rap of that time. It sounded like the rap of this current time. No, the, I'm, no this is a true story. That's not a shot. That's not a, that's not a shot. That I, I, I'm, I, here's what I said. Here, because here's what I said. What I said to myself at that moment, I said to myself, I said, if I could capture that, I could do something with that. Now, this is, my, this is in my mind. But then there was a fear that came on me because there were actual spiritual demonic forces that began to speak. I didn't actually know what it was until some time later I got on my mother's living room floor and I had to cry out that God would release me and set me free from rage and all types of demonic activity. But what I understood at that time that this battle and this life that we live in, that what we see with our eyes is not the only thing that's there. There is a spiritual, invisible world that we're up against, and this is what Jesus spoke into all the time. And sometimes we live a life as if this don't exist. We live a life as if we're only fighting against people. You know, when I said the scripture, deliver us from the evil one, you know somebody came to your mind, and it wasn't the devil. <laughs> you, you hear what I'm saying? It was your neighbor. 
your coworker, your HOA came to your mind. Man, HOAs be doing too much. No, I believe in order. Now, some of y'all painted y'all house green with purple shutters. I ain't talking to you. You need an HOA. Y'all mess it up for all of us. Now you got a lawsuit because I got a lawsuit because my grass, not, not me personally, but it's because of you. You were listening to, let me stop. I, I done got on a tangent. My wife said, come back, Darius. The scripture tells us that this is a, there is a, there's two worlds we live in. And the primary world we wrestle in is not the world that you see with your eyes. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, we have to see from this scripture that our battle is not with people. It's not with, it's not with people that we see. Now, here's what we have to understand is that people can be used in the battle, but our battle is not with people. Some of us right here right now, we're fighting against people and the real enemy we don't see. Sometimes, sometimes we give people way too much credit for what the devil is doing. Sometimes. That argument this morning, that was you. <laughs> you know, God will use people. We pray God use us. The devil will use people too. But we have to understand, we have to understand that this is a spiritual battle. We understand that we're fighting against spiritual, we're doing spiritual warfare. And when we look at what's happening in the world, someone may be thinking, well, why is so much evil in the world? When you combine the temptation and the lust that is within us with the spiritual forces that we have on the outside, there's evil and destruction that happens in the unseen world that makes itself manifest in our world because of what is happening. But we have to make sure we understand that in order to consistently defeat the devil, we understand what type of war we are a part of, and this is a spiritual war. We get the victory over the enemy first and foremost in the spirit. Amen. So how do we consistently defeat the devil? We know this is a spiritual war. But one of the things you also have to know is that the devil has no power over us. He has no power over us. Now, notice I didn't say the devil doesn't have any power. He doesn't have any power over us. Who am I talking about? He doesn't have any power over the church. Those that are a part of the body of Christ, he doesn't have any power over us. Because our authority does not come from within us. Our authority is derived and it is in the righteousness of Jesus of whom we belong. 
When we stepped into Jesus, we were not just delivered from our sins and received salvation and eternal life. When we stepped and received Jesus, we also received the power that comes with the body of Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to understand, if we don't understand that aspect, then we won't fight the right way. And by the time we're in, by, by the time we end today, we're going to understand what we have to do to walk in a place of authority in order for us to consistently walk in victory over the things that we are processing through, over the adversities that we go through. Listen, adversity is going to come. You are going to have some challenges. You are going to have some battles. You know what, it, know what it means to fight a battle? That means that you're going to be hit with something that may bring some pain, some discomfort, and some hurt. But what I want you to know, when you get hit hard, you got to keep going and you got to stand up and be who God has called you to be. Now, where am I preaching from? Where is it coming from? I'm, I understand this. I've been walking with God for some years, and at every level, I fight a new level of devil, and I fight different battles that I understand. I got to stay true to the foundation of the Word of God so that I can accomplish and be who God called me to be because God wants you to win more than you want to win. He wants us to win. Because he already accomplished the victory. We are just walking out what he's already written for us. Amen? Colossians tells us, 1, 13, it says, He, which is Jesus, has delivered us from the power of darkness. Remember I said, you have to understand the devil has no power over us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. For by him, who is him? Verse 16, Jesus, all things. Everyone say all things. All things, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. You know what that means. Here's what that means. See, Satan, the devil, is not right here and Jesus is right here. No, he's created by the creator. Jesus created him. He's not in competition, and he's not warring against Jesus. He's fighting against us. And I'm going to show you why. Because when Jesus died on the cross, what happened was Jesus brought all the authority. Now, listen, this is why he had to bring the authority back. Because in the garden, Adam and Eve gave the authority that they had back to the devil. And when Jesus is talking about this, he's created us and he's, he's created all things. He goes to a point that he says that he disarmed all of those authorities. Now, look at this. Colossians 2 and 15. Y'all want some Bible today? Let's get us some Bible. Let's get strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Colossians 2, 15. This is Jesus. And having disarmed the powers and authorities. What powers and authorities? The same powers and authorities he created, who we gave the authority back through, through back to through Adam. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, 
triumphing, triumphing over them by the cross. So when the cross happened, Jesus went in the grave. He led captivity captive. He took the keys from death, hell, and the grave. He spoiled principalities and powers. He did not take all of that authority just back to heaven. What he did was he put it all under his feet. Oh, y'all ain't with me. He put it all under his feet. Now, are you a part of the body of Christ? Our feet on your body. So he put it all under the body of Christ. That means we have authority, and I know it, I know it. Some of you are like, are you sure? Because my situation doesn't feel like I got authority. See, we're going to get to that, though. We're going to get to that in just a moment because he don't have any power only if we give it to him. You hear what I'm saying? So look at what it says. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to who? Which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What this scripture is telling us goes against the lie that the enemy has been telling you. I know it. I know the enemy is telling you, you will never overcome this addiction. I know he's telling you that you cannot do this alone. I know he's telling you are alone. You are not alone. The Lord said he will never leave you or forsake you. He said he will be with you always until the end of the age. They're lies. And we have to understand that we have, the, have authority in Jesus Christ. Satan and his demonic powers have already been defeated. But the problem is, is that we give him authority. And the only authority that he has is through deception that comes with our own lust and it comes with lies. And that's what Jesus was talking about. Temptation. He tried to get Jesus to give his authority. Through temptation, our own lust, and our own lies. Because if, if he can get you to believe a lie, he can get you to walk beneath who he's called you to be. Or who God has called you to be. I want you to understand today, listen, the battle that we face in the battle that we walk in, we have victory if we understand how we need to walk and how we need to, how we need to posture ourselves. That you don't have to be bound. That you can be free. You can, but we have to understand who we are in Christ. I want you to think about, think about this this way. Because if he can get you to believe a lie... He can get you to not walk in your authority. He doesn't have to have power. All he has to do is convince you that you don't. Think about this. What is stronger, a human or a bug? 
Now I know y'all are thinking, well, it depends on what type of bug, Pastor. <laughs> well, are you talking about a small roach or a big roach, one of them Florida roaches? It doesn't matter what type of, it doesn't matter what type it is. I don't care if it's a scorpion. Ooh. And I know all the thoughts is going, going through your mind. I want you to know, listen, if you faced off with the scorpion, you understand that as a human, you're stronger than a scorpion. And I know you're processing, well, what if I'm laying in the bed and it sneaks <laughs> But if we understand who we are, we understand the authority we have, and we understand the enemy that we're up against. And when I say the enemy, I'm talking about beings in the spirit realm, but I'm not just talking about Satan. I'm talking about demonic forces that spread ideals and principalities. If we understand that, if I face off against a scorpion, right, I'm going to walk up to that scorpion and if I know who I am, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop it. Now, where would the scorpion be? Now, look, look. This is what Jesus was talking about when he concerns our authority. That's why he said, you shall tread upon scorpions. You shall walk... He understood that if we walk in the authority that God had, that he has for us, that we would overcome. Now, the problem is, is that there's lies. And we have to deal with those lies. All types of lies that we, that we face. Some of you are here today and, and you've been living through lies that, that people spoke into your life. And see, the problem is, is that some of the places that the lies came from was from trusted people. And you believed it because you trust people. The reality of it is, is that the devil will use anyone he can in order to accomplish his agenda. And at any time, if we don't settle, our, settle ourselves on what God has said, his written word, we can find ourselves tossed to and fro about who we are unstable, and if we're double-minded about what God has said and what the world is saying about us, we'll always be unstable and we will not have the power that God has called us to walk in. And we have to receive that and we have to, we have to know that. We have to believe that. We have to walk in it. And it's not as easy said and done because when you get into the battle, you get hit with things. And I love it how Mike Tyson said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Can we be honest? I'll be honest. Listen, I've, I've known this most of my entire Christian life, but there's times in my life that I get punched in the face so hard in the battle that it takes a moment that I have to shake myself, return back to what I know. In that moment, I'm shaking myself, and he's throwing blows and blows, and he's coming after relationships. He's coming after children. He's coming after, after destiny. And if I don't shake myself, come back, find myself on the Word of God. Yeah. 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 
he'll get the best of us. But I believe there's some people in this house today and online today and at North Cobb today that believe that if we could just get back on the Word of God, standing on who He has called us to be, we'll have the victory. We'll walk in consistent victory in Jesus Christ. Because there's lies everywhere, all over the world. You know what Jesus said? Here's, I know sometimes you're like, I don't come to church to talk about the devil. I come to church to talk about God. Jesus talked about it. What would you think? What would you think if you played on a championship, played in a championship game, and the coach took you into the championship game, and he never told you about the plays of the other team? You have to know what you're up against in order for you to win the battle. And, the, and where he operates is, is lies. Look what Jesus said about him in eight, John 8, 44. Deliver us from the evil one. You belong to your father. He's talking to the religious leaders. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out the father's, your father's desires. Look at this. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Did you know lying? I didn't even know lying was a language. How many of y'all know some people who speak English and speak lies? <laughs> the devil. For he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, the only way you're going to defeat a lie is to have truth. And you cannot give place to it. Have you ever been in a situation where you were talking, you had to confront someone or talk to someone about something they did wrong? And when you talk to the person, this person was just good at switching the situation up and you go and talk to them and after you get finished talking to them you thought you were going in to say one thing and you come in and you question your whole existence <laughs> we have to we have to not give ear to him and give place to him I remember look when I gave my life to Christ remember I was dealing with all of those demonic forces and demonic spirits. So I gave my life to Christ, but I realized, and I experienced freedom, but I realized I would not remain free if I still gave him opportunity to speak into me. And one of the primary ways he would speak into me was, this is me, was music. Because my music at that time was talking about death, sex, drugs, Decay, all of these things. Now, we know those things don't come from God. And as long as I gave my ear to that, I was desensitizing myself to the voice of God. So what I had to do, I had to take all of those cassette tapes. Yeah, it was cassette tapes back then. <laughs> you know, cassette tapes. Some of you, you, you had these two little wheels, and then you, 
you have to wind them up. Never mind, y'all will never get that. I had to take all of my cassette tapes and get rid of them. And I didn't give them to anybody else because I didn't want to spread his lies. I had, to, I had to make a decision about what I was listening to. I had to make a decision about the places that I was going that allowed the enemy to speak into my heart and speak into my life. I also had to make, a, make decisions about people I was going to be around. Now, people aren't the devil, but sometimes if they just give in to lies, they can be used by the devil. And for me, I knew I, didn't, I couldn't stand a chance fighting against the devil because I had to get more truth in me. I had to get more word in me to understand what I was up against. So when I gave my life to Christ, I called my friends. I said, hey, don't call me. I'll call you. <laughs> it was because I had to do whatever I can, could not to give place to lies because if he can get a lie to me and I begin to entertain it, he can entice me through my own lust that I was working through, tempt me, and then when I fall, he can trick me into thinking that I had no authority in the first place. Now, how many of you have been right there? That when you failed and you lost a battle, you felt like you lost the battle because you could not win the battle. Because you could not overcome it. Some of us right here in this space right now, we believe that we cannot overcome sex outside of marriage because we feel like we just got to have it. No, you don't. You don't. But you don't have power inside of yourself. That power only comes through the word of God. I had some big battles I was fighting against that if it wasn't for the word of God, I would have not been able to overcome. So we have to go lean. We have to glean on the word of God. And we have to understand, we have to understand that the devil has no power that is not given to him. We have to remove ourselves from his lies. How? How do we consistently, how do we consistently defeat the devil? Here's the last thing. I'm going to leave you with this. We have to understand that the Word of God is our weapon. The Word of God is our spiritual weapon. Even when you don't feel like it, even when your emotions are getting the best of you, I'm going to show you how the Word of God can come in and bring clarity. And all we have to do is lean and trust in the Word. And that Word will give life to us. It can give clarity to us. But we have to know it. We have to put it inside of us. We have to have it inside of us if we're going to really overcome the devil. Look at what the scripture says. Look at what the scripture says in Hebrews 4, 12, and 13. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me, North Cobb? <laughs> Look at this. It says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. Now, I want you to pay attention to this. What is being described here is the physical and the spiritual. That the word of God works in the spirit realm, soul and spirit, and then it brings it to the physical. 
joints and marrow. You know there's healing in the Word? Both spiritually and emotionally and physically. That's what the Scripture is saying. Look at what it says. And it is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, I want to pause right there because the battleground for the enemy's lust or your lust and the enemy's lies is right here between your ears. If he can win right here in your thoughts, then he won, he's won the victory. But if you can get the word of God to discern between what's you and what's God and what's the enemy and what's God, then you have won the victory. It becomes quick and powerful when it discerns your thoughts and your intents of the heart. There's been times where, where there's something that I desired that I thought was God, and then I get into the Word and I realize that's my own selfish ambition. There's been times when I've been talking to people and they say something and the Word of God come alive in me and I realize they have a different agenda. Because the Word discerns thoughts and intents of the heart. But if we don't have it inside of us, if we can't pull it out and we can't speak it out, then we don't have enough authority because we're still shaking on our found, shaky on our foundation. Look what it says. It says, as a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart, and this is key, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. What that is saying is, listen, the word of God will shine light on any creature, visible or invisible. It has a power to it to discern what is actually happening. But we have to trust it. We have to, we have to hold close and hold firm to it. We have to stand firm on it. It says, there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him of who, of, to whom we must give account. We have to trust the word. Here's what happened. When we trust the word, we stand on the word. The enemy is no match, not for you, but for the word. Because it is our spiritual weapon. And I want to show you, I want to show you how Jesus used it. The son of God used it. James, when he talked about, when he talked about standing firm and standing and submitting yourselves in four and seven, he said, submit yourselves to God. What is submitting yourselves to God? Submitting yourselves to the word of God, to what God has spoken. Look what happens. Resist the devil and he will do what? Submit, resist, and he will run from you. Submit, resist, and he will run from you. I can, and I can feel it right now. Some of you are saying, well, this, well, it's not that simple. Listen, it's true. It may not be simple, but it's true. And we have to trust that it's true because he's not just going to come to you one time and leave. If he came to the Son of God multiple times, who do you think you are? Look at what happened. I'm, I'm getting ready to close you out. I want you, to, I want you to look at this. We're going to land on this because how he works in this, he works in your mind, and he works in three ways. The lust of the flesh, 
the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. He worked through those three dynamics. And if he can work you in those areas, it's the same thing that happened in the garden. Eve, Adam, they saw that the tree was good for food. They saw lust of the eyes, good for food, lust of the flesh. And they perceived that it would make one wise, pride of life. Same, same types of tactics that the enemy is using. Same tactics he used today, same tactics he used in Matthew chapter 4, verses 3 and 11, with the Son of God, Jesus. Look at this. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Now, I want to give you a little insight. He already knew who Jesus was. He already knows who you are. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Look what Jesus said. But he, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And the devil left him and never returned again. No. <laughs> Then he came up with a new way. Do you know that once you overcome one temptation, he already has another one that he's trying to work in? He comes and he said, then the devil took him, took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you. Do you know the devil already know what the Bible says too? Mm -mm -mm. We have to know it more. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. A stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. One more time. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to, said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. How did he have the authority to give it? Because it was given to him. It was given to him. It was given to him by Adam. But look at what Jesus said. Away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. And behold, angels came and ministered to him. Look at what this is. Lust of the flesh, turn these stones into bread. Lust of the eyes, give you all the kingdoms of the world. Pride of life, cast yourself off this mountain. Take your life into your own hands. Do it your own way. Do you. The pride of life. It's working in our system, in our act, in our, in our air, because he's a liar. Do you understand? There's so much confusion in this world right now because the world has believed the lies of the enemy. He's the author of confusion. You know, I didn't even want to go there, but I, I feel that we have to... So many people are believing his lies that we cannot even admit what is a woman and what is a man? Now listen, 
I know, I know, I know that hits some people some way in here and online. But that's, here's why. Because through lies, you have become an ally to the agenda that is anti-Christ. And Jesus is saying, listen, there's only one thing that we can trust in. We can trust his word. We have to depend on his word. There's no confusion in God. God knows exactly what he's done. God knows exactly who you are. God knows that he's created you fearfully and wonderfully. God knows he has a plan for you, a plan to bring you into an expected end. He wants good things for you. God is not trying to take your life away. He's trying to give you life and life more abundantly. That's the God we serve. That's who he is. I felt that way. One time I felt in my life that God was trying to take all the fun out of life. I was empty, and I was thirsty, and I was hungry, but I didn't know what I was thirsting and hungering for. And I became like that woman at the well. I tasted and I saw that the Lord was good. But we have to understand the attack. Understand that the word of God is our weapon. Now, here's what we have to do before we leave it today. I don't want to just leave us because the reality of it, you can know the word, but unless the word comes out of your mouth, there is no power in it. Because you are the temple of the living God. You are God's agent in the earth realm And when you speak the word of God, it produces power. The Bible has no power if it's just closed. It has power when we are living epistles, that we give life to the words that God has placed inside of us, and we begin to take authority in the areas that the Bible has called us to take authority in. Now, you can take authority for your life, but you may not be able to take authority for someone else's life, but you need to focus in on you. And what Jesus said in the beginning of this sermon, I will not, I don't want you to be led into temptation. I want to deliver you from evil. That means that there's some people right here, right now, today, that unless you get up and proclaim the Word of God over your life, you will remain bound. But when you begin to proclaim what God has said about you instead of the lies that the enemy has said, you will experience victory. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to take an opportunity to do that right now. Stand up to your feet at North Cobb. We want to proclaim the word of our life. So here's what we're going to do. Just before we go, I've got a couple of scriptures I want to put up there, and I want you to repeat those scriptures after me. How many of you need victory today? And when I say victory, some of you here today, you're dealing with addictions that you've walked with for years. And the beginning of the journey for you being free is beginning to say what God has said about you. Some of you have entertained things that the enemy has said about you for way too long, and that stops today. Has to stop today. So I want you to repeat this after me. And here's why I want you to say it with some authority. Say it with some conviction. Say it like you mean what you're saying. You hear what I'm saying? 1 Corinthians 10 13, 
Repeat this after me. No temptation has overtaken me. Except what is coming to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let me be tempted. Beyond what I can bear. But when I am tempted, he will also provide a way out. So that I can endure it. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Though I walk in the flesh, I do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. James 1 and 12. Are y'all with me on that? Do you feel something lifting? God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward. Now, let me, let me pause right there on afterward. Because some of you are before the afterward. And you feel like if, if I endure, if I give this up, that there's no life after afterwards. Some of you are in relationships that you know they are not God. And the enemy is lying. He's telling you there's no life after this. That is not what Jesus said. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you would have life and life more abundantly. So I want you to know that afterwards, after you overcome, after you endure temptation, that God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. Our Father, our Father in heaven, He gives good gifts to your life. Come on, somebody. Look at this. Afterwards, say it again. I will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Receive that in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now right there, where you're at, keep your eyes open. There's some of you here right now today that you come in and you're listening to this message and you've experienced spiritual manifestation. You've experienced places that you know you're up against something that you cannot handle on your own. And you have not received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Jesus is saying to you today, when you hear my voice, don't harden your heart. Receive me. It is for you. My power is for you. My love is for you. And it doesn't matter what you have done in your life. It doesn't matter what type of things you've been entangled with. It doesn't matter if you've been entangled with witchcraft. If people have spoken words over you. After today, you're going you're gonna to cry, Abba, Father. That means Daddy God. 
and you're going to be a child of the king. You're going to be a child of God, but that is up to you. The first area you take authority is that you, first of all, renounce the evil works of darkness. You say, I don't want to be a child of the darkness. I want to be a child of the light. And you choose Jesus today. That's for you today. And some of you here today, you've been walking in this. You know this, but you closed your mouth. God is saying, you got to open up your mouth again. Begin to proclaim the word. This prayer is for you. I want you to repeat this after me. Say, Father, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. He's the creator of all things. That he died on the cross. He went in the grave. And on the third day, he resurrected from the grave with all power. And he spoiled and disarmed the powers of darkness. I receive salvation in his name. I repent of my sin. And I thank you, Lord, for filling me with your Holy Spirit. I declare today that I belong to Jesus. And the devil has no hold on me. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone say amen, amen, amen and amen.